podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Club Deck Corner here on Club at 22, the Rangers podcast. I am Scott Carney and this week I have been joined by the overlord himself, host of Heart and Hand, David Edgar. David, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, nice to be here. Uh, thank you for the... the I, I love the introductory graphic there, that was very cool. So yeah, uh, nice to be here and always good to, to, to get a chance to talk about Rangers. Yeah, I do try, mate. I do try my hardest. I like that, that was good. I do try. Uh, thanks, mate. Stevie said the same, so I'm going to take that as a compliment. Well, sure, well, yeah. to, well, you know, praise credit where it's due. Um, Thank you always, you should always praise good work, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so is it alien to you being a guest and not a host? Because obviously, I um, yeah, I, well, on the yeah, I mean, on the site, I, I'll, I'll guest on, on quite a few shows, so uh, it, it's actually, yeah, it's kind of nice to, to, to go on the other side of it, but um. There are shows on on Heart and Hand that I do as a guest, but uh, yeah, the kind of main show on Heart and Hand is probably a daily update, and a lot of the time it's just me, so I'm sort of guest and host on that. So this this one at least, you you're the one who's got the pressure. You're the one who needs to keep the conversation flowing. Um, I can just uh, open my open my mouth and let my stomach rumble. Uh, sometimes I think it's I think it's the other way around. Sometimes sometimes I think the pressure's off being the host. I suppose it depends. It depends who you've got on and what direction they're planning to take things. If you've ever seen one of our yeah. podcasts, mate, in uh, Scotia's on in Scotia, likes a tipple um, from time to time. Sometimes when he's had a few, I'm like, where is he going? He's literally going down <laughs> a cul de sac, and I'm going to need to try and drag him back from it. But uh, it's all in the spirit of things, I suppose. Um, as you say, I, I find myself falling into being a host sometimes when we're doing things, especially when we're wrapping up pods and stuff and I need to say things or give the punters a, a direction towards something. I find myself doing the job of what the host is already doing. So and I've tried, <laughs> to, got to. tried to Yeah, try to restrain myself. Uh, before we get into Rangers things, mate <clears throat> I want to talk talk a bit about Heart and Hand, uh, and as I said to you just before we start recording, this is the only time I'll try and only be a fanboy, mate, because it was the same with Stevie as well. I said to him, I don't want to be a pure fanboy and act like this is just an interview, but a lot of, a lot of people that are coming across Heart and Hand, obviously you've been about for how many years? Is it 11 years? Is that right? 13, 2010. 13 years. So yeah, I've been listening to you. Yeah, I've been listening to you at least 10 and, a, 10 and a half, 11 years now. Um, I would say it's, it's been a long time back before back before Patreon and everything like that kicked off, mate. So just briefly, mate, I know it's a long history, but where did Heart and Hand originate? Where, where, what's the origins of it? Because you are, I mean, you're probably one of, if not the, the kind of trailblazer for podcasting, Rangers podcasting especially. I wouldn't do a podcast if I'd never listened to Heart and Hand, put it that way. And that's probably the last time I'll give you a bit of praise like that, OK? <laughs> no, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> it, it, basically, it was, I'd been, throughout the 2000s, I'd been the, the spokesperson for the Rangers Supporters Trust which is a very serious role um, and very uh, kind of draining a little bit. And by the time I, I, I enjoyed it uh, at the time, but by the time I'd, I'd given it up, I kind of felt that the way that it had gone within the media, because one of the reasons I wanted to do it was I, I didn't think Rangers fans were particularly well represented in the media and I wanted to have a Rangers fan who 
who wouldn't get down on his knees to people that didn't like us, who was quite abrasive, if you like, um, but was at least representative of, of who I felt we are, who who my mates are. Um, so I, I'd finished up and I, I was listening to a lot, I had a long commute at the time, and I was listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, which, you know, I'd just not long got into them, a couple of years, because mm-hmm. uh, it was really just beginning to take off. Uh, and I was listening to, uh, you know, the, the kind of Scottish football ones, and I just felt that they weren't representative of conversations that I had with my pals about football. I didn't think that it sounded like um, the opinion of fans. Uh, the only other option for that was things like the Radio Clyde phone-in. And again, I, I don't think that that's particularly representative of the vast majority of Rangers fans that I know. And because of what I do for a living, I, I do come into contact with an awful lot. So I, I just thought that there's nobody really listening to us. And, and one of the things I, I discovered in the in the media was that they really weren't they weren't interested in getting you know Rangers fans on to because they had sort of put us in a box and they didn't want anybody to come along and say actually no that that that's not true that's your perception of us and it's unfair and it's based on um a dislike of the club or a dislike of us or your political stance whatever it was so yeah I was listening to, to a couple of English ones that were really funny I wasn't a fan of, of either club uh, Arsenal and, and Tottenham, um, and I'm I'm not. I just thought they were funny. Alan Davis did the Arsenal one, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Phil Cornwell, the impressionist, he did the Spurs one. So I was saying to my mate, listen to these. These are good. You know, I wish somebody would do one like that for for Rangers. And he said, Well, you do it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how. He was like, Can't it be that hard to find out, can it? And I thought, No, I suppose not. So I, I I phoned up, and again, this is where I was quite lucky because you know with the RST stuff. Um, there was a lot of footage of me kicking about on, you know, Sky Sports or the BBC or whatever. So I phoned up the production company that made those two, and I said, "Look, that's my name, David Edgar. You know, I think that I can get an audience. Um, do you want to, you know, do you do you guys want to help me do it? Basically, um, and we're still with them. You know, they, they do the the free shows that we do every week, and that was it. You know, the the first one I did went. God, when was it? It was August, I think, 2010. And we were very fortunate. It went to number one on the iTunes chart straight away. Um, because again, you know, luckily I had this kind of wee wee bit of profile that, that I was able to tap into. And it's just it's just kept going from there. Um, we went on to the Patreon in December 2017. That has grown into something that it never was designed to do i never thought we would be anywhere close to to what we've achieved there um so yeah we, we you know I, I was kind of fortunate with the timing of it i think we we did get in early um i think for a lot of people we are their first podcast i think um it's become you know a lot more common now and you know we were number one in itunes that first day with twelve thousand downloads that wouldn't touch the sides <laughs> these days um <laughs> There's 12,000 podcasts now that there wasn't in 2010. Um, and it's amazing, actually, just the technology to do it. I mean, the likes of this tonight that you're doing, but also the first couple, you know, the first few years of podcast to, to edit one, to record, you had to get everyone together for a start off. Yeah. Um, and then record uh, on proper mics plugged into proper control desk. And then to edit it took about, or oh, 
the whole process for one 45 minute episode was about 12 hours and now 12 hours you can do <laughs> you can do a lot more than that because the technology has come along with it as well but it, it was pretty good ground and i think that that's one thing when people sort of look at the patreon and they can kind of get dazzled by the numbers and the finances and stuff um and i always say to them it, you know we didn't just go to that we were yeah seven years nearly eight years in when we went to that um we had an audience at that stage so that's always my advice to anybody who's, who's starting a podcast um don't start a podcast because or a, a you know a video blog or, or a blog anything at all don't start it because you think oh i'd love to be you know in inverted commas a wee bit famous within the rangers community i'd love to be yeah. um you know earning a living from this that that's not the right way. do it because you think you've got a good show to do do it because you think you've got something different as well because there's so many podcasts out there now that if you're just going to produce you know the same as everyone else well people have got their favorites now and it's it's unlikely that that they're going to come across because they've got so many choices now um if you do it and it's a really good show that you like and you've got an audience of a thousand that is far better than somebody coming along doing a false show, a big advertising campaign and starting week one with 100,000 because that 100,000 will go. Whereas that yeah. thousand that, that like your show, not only will they stay, but they'll tell their friends and they'll give you a listen and you'll build and you'll build and you'll build. So that's always been our philosophy. Is it good? Do I like it? Um, and I always say to my podcasters, you're, you're working to an audience of two, which is me and you. If we like it, it will go out. If I don't like it, if you don't like it, it won't go out. It doesn't matter how popular it is. And, you know, so far it's worked. So far, so good. Yeah, so far, yeah, so good. Exactly. Yeah, I think that, generally, I think that's, that's pretty good Pretty good advice you could give. We started during COVID um, because I wanted to talk to my pals again about, um, there you go. about Rangers. And then... I was like, well, I'd done a wee bit of podcasting here and there. I'd peered on a heart and hand. I, I think I did a show with um, Jack, um, the 20 songs one. I'd done that. And 20 then, songs one? Yes, you did, sis. Yeah. That's right. I'd done that, and I'd done a, I'd done a, a wee bit with, with Gallant Few as well. And then I was like, I kind of fancy doing this myself. And I was being a wee, a wee bit egotistical in the terms of I thought, well, I think I could host as well. And then the boys that I go to the football with, they didn't really get a choice. I said, lads, I've got an idea. We are going to do this and you are going to do it with me. And to be fair, it, it, we kind of, I think the most terrifying thing was putting something out there and seeing what was going to come back at you. At the start, mm -hmm. anyway, now I don't particularly care what people think because you get some mixed reviews to say the least but you're always going to get you're always going to get the people that, that, that don't like it and i think that it can be very difficult not to take the you know if you get 100 nice comments and one bad one you focus on the one and forget about the 100 and that's just human nature um and there are some people who it's nothing to do with what you're doing it's just a projection of their own insecurities onto you and there's nothing you can do about that um you know and except you know hope that uh, whatever's missing they, they they find um so you you just have to go on and like i say if i'm satisfied with it if it's something that i felt has has been good and has been worthwhile then it's worthwhile um if and I'm not delusional about it. You know, it won't last forever. At one point, people will have had enough or somebody will come along that, that's better um, and people will move on. And in that case, you go, do you know what? I had a really good run at it. There's no point. Um, uh, but I think that once you start getting into 
right? What do we do to get listeners, right? You know, what, yeah. what I, I think then it, it moves away from what it is and it's supposed to be about people. People listen to Artland because they like us, you know, the, the people who make the shows. Uh, that's why they listen. They don't listen because of, you know, fancy tricks or whatever. Um, but no, and it, it, it's been really good to see. And, and, you know, the vast majority of Rangers fan media, one of the things I'm really proud of about Rangers fan media and Rangers supporters in general is that there is a lot of support for each other and for, um, you know, people who are doing it within the community. Uh, you'll always get a few, you know, people who, who like to just be contrary for the sake of it and like to be nasty, particularly um, yeah. in social media. But, you know, you, you ignore them and you move on. But I do like the fact that the vast majority of, of Rangers um, podcasts, you know, blogs, videos, whatever, um, they all get on and, and nobody's kind of saying that, well, I do this so nobody else can. Um, Disney work like that. If your show's good, you'll get an audience. If your show isn't any good, it doesn't matter if there's one more podcast out there or a thousand people will only watch it. So as long yeah. as you, you stay within those parameters, I think you'll, you'll be all right. Yeah, that's the way I still look at it as well. And until if I lose the love for it, then I'll I'll stop doing it. Ultimately, yeah, if it's not fun, absolutely. If it's not fun, wrap that's it. the way I look um, at it. If I'm if I'm not enjoying doing it anymore, and I think the bit that blew my mind the most, and I'm probably still not used to it, is people coming up to you and saying you're that guy from that podcast, aren't you? Or you're that guy yeah. from YouTube, and I'm like, am I? <laughs> I don't yeah, you know. Never, you never, <laughs> you never ever. get used I, to that. I, I still don't get used to it. And to be honest, I don't do a lot of videos. To be honest. You know, sent to somebody yesterday yeah. that, that I have to be drag kicked because, look, um, it's not it is not my medium. It's fair to say, you know, I I, I don't think unless somebody was kind of, you know, after somebody who looked like a, a shaved peach, but uh, no, I, I I'm I'm you know kind of it, it, it's nice you know vast majority of people because I remember when I was at the trust and I'd maybe said something you know controversial people would come up to you. Call you everything under the sun. So if people want to come up and say, "Oh, I listen to your show. That's <laughs> brilliant. Thank you yes. for that." Yeah. Um, that's a lot nicer. Yeah, definitely. I oh, definitely, definitely much nicer. But yeah, it's one of those, one of those weird things when people say it to you. I'm like, I can't really get used to that. I can't really get used to that. And but I mean, it's lovely. It's lovely when it happens. It really is. Right. Anyway, mate, we'll move on. Um, are you missing Rangers yet? Oh, very much so. Um, yeah. I, I'd make the close season a fortnight. <laughs> if it was up to me, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I think as well. You know, I, I, I'm a, a football fan first and foremost. I watch a lot of football, um, and I miss, I miss it. I miss the excitement of it, the games. There's nothing quite like it. Uh, it's a wee bit of a sort of phony war in the summer, you know. And, and you've got the transfer stuff to, to to tide you over, and it's exciting to a degree. But no, I'm I'm itching for it. I want to get back to Ibrox. I want to get back. Um, you know, watching as I want match of the day back on a Saturday night, all of that. Uh, yeah, that, particularly bad in a, a summer where there's no tournament as well, because that at least, you know, I'm not a huge international football fan, but at least it's something. So I roll, roll on the Newcastle game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to it as well, mate. I really am. It's you need a you almost need a focal point, and it's, it's the same pretty much every summer. I'm not the I don't watch a lot of football in terms of like what you would probably watch. I watch the odd game from time to time, but I've always said on this pod I'm a bit of an arrogant football fan and in terms of that I tend to only really watch Rangers games and then I'll watch big games in inverted commas if you like after mm. that. But I've got a curse on big games because anytime it's going to be a big game and the hype around it, I'll watch it and it'll be one of the worst games you'll ever watch. That'll so, be rubbish. Uh, yeah. but that, I mean, yeah. that, that, that does happen a lot. Um, and sometimes, you know, the least likely 
games the the people might look at and go, oh, that'll be rubbish. It, it's actually fantastic. But it, you know, it's just it's a, a strange. I don't actually watch a lot of television in general. Um, I, apart from sport, that that, that tends to be. I, I watch you know a, a fair bit of football. Um, and I've got you know three or four pro- programs I watch on a loop, but I don't really watch a lot of TV other than you know sort of documentaries and stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm missing it. And, and you know, in the the kind of summer months, usually you'd get to about half seven, eight o'clock, and there'll be a really good game on, and it's not there at the moment. So the old joke, isn't it? You need to spend time with a wife at this point of the year. Um, <laughs> You know, find out this is where you build up all the brownie points, isn't I, it? For the rest it's of the year. Kind of, you know, yeah. find find out what, what what she does for a living and stuff. So it's, it's been quite <laughs> quite interesting. You know, all oh, right, yeah. is that, that what you? Who are you and what do you do? I feel a bit like King Charles. Yeah, <laughs> the the last time we spoke, actually, you came on and done the charity. Uh, last time we spoke on the pod, That's even right, you came yes. on and, uh, well I did the, the charity pod. Thanks, mate. Um, and we mentioned um, Seville at that point. And I was yeah. like, oh, obviously, I don't think I can go because the missus was pregnant. And I was like, right. And then, obviously, we've just announced the Germany, um, the friendly in Germany at the end of Waterline, the summer, yeah. or the end of July. So I just kind of looked at the missus when I seen that. I said, I'm I'm going to Germany for a couple of nights. Mm-hmm. She just kind of looked and she was like, we well, didn't get to Seville. And I was like, no, I didn't get to Seville. You are no, correct. that's it. That's true. You <laughs> yeah. should be able to, you should be so able we to, are, to, to a claim few that. Us, no, that. That's fair. A few of us are going for a, a going going for a going for a, a wee away trip. A wee we let me and two of the other podders are going. So looking forward to that. So, but she was, yeah, it was one of those through gritty teeth of yes, you can go because oh, I, I can I, understand. I, but yeah, I'm, I'm, doing all, I'm, doing all, I'm doing all the legwork now, mate. So it's all it's all fine. I'm doing all the legwork right. now. Quite right. Um, so you were recently just on your travels, mate. You were in NASA. What was what was NASA like for people that don't know? It's the North American Rangers Association. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Supporters Association. Yeah, um, Association. what it is is every year, uh, the the North American, that's the US and Canada, um, they have a convention where representatives of all the clubs go, they'll have their AGM for the organisation and whatnot, and they have a, a series of events, and it's a fundraiser as well for the mm-hmm. organisation, and they'll bring it, um, a, a number of ex-players will, will come across uh, and... Uh, every year they get someone to to host, and fortunately uh, for me, anyway, the the last two, and I'd done one in Calgary in twenty eighteen, uh, and I was supposed to do San Francisco in twenty twenty, but obviously, uh, COVID had other ideas. So um, I did Vegas last year for them, and uh, uh, Toronto this year, and it, it's it's great, it's tremendous fun if you're thinking about. Um, you know, going away on a holiday to, to one of these cities. Next year, for example, it's New York, which will be, mm-hmm. you know, different class because they set up a lot of events and excursions and there'll be trips where you can go and uh, sightsee and get organised. And the, this year, for example, in Toronto, there was the golf day, there was a brewery tour. Um, uh, there, there were, you know, local sightseeing events, there's, there's guides. And then at night you come in and there's, there's Rangers events, there's ex-players to meet spend a bit of time with um, a big gala ball on the Saturday night, big gala dinner, the Walter Smith uh, Memorial Gala Dinner. Yep. And last year in Vegas was the first year that they had named it. It was the first year since Walter had passed. Uh, and they brought out Ethel Smith and, and Liz Smith, um, Walter's sister. Uh, Ethel's obviously his his wife. Um, and that, that was very special as well to, to, to be able to spend a bit of time with them and, and speak about them. 
and you know the, the stories were just incredible so yeah if anyone is thinking about next year you're planning a holiday vegas was nuts i mean there were like 2000 <laughs> rangers wild just everywhere you looked there was there was red white and blue um yeah. it was an incredible few days um toronto was a bit smaller but still great because the ex-cat uh, expat community in, in the Toronto area is massive anyway um, and then as I say next year New York which will be which will be pretty cool to tell you how much fun it is Andy Gray was over this year Andy's been at the last two actually he was at Vegas as well and he was already starting his campaign to get back for New York next year he was already wow. Kind of saying to the the organisers, you, you, you've got to have me. Now, remember, Andy Gray's got a pretty pretty cool life where he lives yes. and what he does yeah. for a living, right? He basically yeah. plays golf uh, and hangs about with Rude Hullet, uh watching football. <laughs> so if he if he wants to go, it must it must be fun. It's um it's certainly on my bucket list. That's for sure. Oh, it's, it's certainly it's on my bucket fantastic. list. And, and you get to meet these guys as well um, that are expats, and it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, hearing their stories and whatnot. But the other thing about it, it makes you realise how special this club is because you've got people coming from, you know, places you've never heard of in the US and they go, oh, we've got a club there. And you think, my God, they've got a club yeah. there. You know, or, yeah. they, they get together to watch Rangers games 4,000 miles away from Ibrox. Um, and also it makes you kind of quite grateful that you can go because it's maybe something that... that I take for granted when I'm here is that Ibrox is just up the road. You know, I can literally yeah. hop on the train, I'll be at Ibrox in, in 35 minutes. Um, and you realise just how special it is for guys who who aren't. So, yeah, wonderful. Definitely, it, 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 as a bucket list thing, I would I would highly recommend anyone who's thinking about it to go. It's, and the good thing is, is it's three, four or five days at most. Um, but you can go for just the, the weekend, of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you can then have a holiday either side of that yeah. and get yeah. to do so you can take the family um and still there'll be plenty of things for them to do in, in whatever host city we're in i'd imagine new york will be quite a popular one because of it is new yeah, york at the end of the day it, it is new york it'll, so do, I do. It, 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 it'll either if it doesn't quite beat vegas which was the biggest one ever it'll be close be close um yeah. because of the the kind of you know cause new york and that most most famous city in the world so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, even as you were mentioning, you were saying about how you're, it's all worldwide. That's one thing that we're, we're worldwide as a club and how big the club actually is and how many people around the world support us and still watch us. We actually have a, a, a son and a father that tunes in to watch us at 6.30, one stays at America and one stays in the UK and they, they, they watch it they together, watch together because it's... It's the only time that they can do it together, like, that's, and I'm like, that's just mental, man. That's like, it, that's stuff like that blows it? your mind. It does. Oh, I, I, yeah. and you know, even even to, I remember like, when we won the title, and my phone was pinging, and it was people that I know through Rangers, and have, have built friendships with in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, America, South America, yeah. and you just felt, wow, I'm part of this thing that's bigger than me, is bigger than you know all of us really it's all of us mm -hmm. combined and that i think is part of the joy of being a football fan in the first place is that that sense of community and that sense of belonging to something that's a bit bigger than yourself so um it is it's 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 remarkable when you think about it and you know not to get too misty eyed although it's difficult not to when you think that i started with four teenagers yeah getting together because they wanted to play this new 
sport of theirs and now look at it, you know, the history, yeah. everything that it's done and, and where it is today, I think is just, it's honestly one of the most incredible stories in sporting history as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I could not agree more, mate. I could not agree more. Hence why I now do a Rangers podcast. It's kind of it's well, life it. for us all, mate. It's it's life That's for it. us all. We'll we'll move on to we'll move on to the actual football um, of recent times. A wee bit about last season, slightly, mate. And the only reason I'm asking you about that is because obviously you're a, a media partner with the the club. You are. Ah, uh, the, there's no such thing now. That I, I hear oh. that a lot. No, they stopped that. That was only for one season. Um, oh, right, okay. Just had that that policy. We are now an official commercial partner. We we, commercial we do a lot partner. of sponsorship with them, I, um, but they I don't went, they, I, they don't I, do media I, partners now. I went to say commercial first. I thought, I don't think that's quite no, right. No, no, you're right. Well, Basically, Rangers have been thing for one year um, yeah. and the, the, the media still try to use it as a stick to beat them with, but it right, doesn't okay. exist, hasn't existed for three years now. So, right. um, uh, but, but no, we are, uh, we, we're we just uh, a commercial partner. We, we sponsor this year. We'll sponsor uh, a player in the men and women's team. We'll, do, we'll take the, the LED advertising. Um, we're going to sponsor uh, a, a match in the the January second match. We're actually going to sponsor and uh, uh, probably another one before the end of the season. Plus another couple of things as well. So uh, yeah, all, all, all we do now is give them money. Um, but that's that's <laughs> which is exactly how the club like it. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. That's I, favorite look, I, type of relationship. Yes, I. I uh... I, 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 that's kind of part of my dream as well. I feel like we're kind of getting stuck on the podcast, each other's podcast, but the, the, that's kind of my dream as well, is to be able to put money back into the club, and I have done. Do you know what I mean? We've run giveaways and that for tops and things like that. No matter what, it's still me giving Everybody something to the club. Everybody who's watching this does. Everybody you know who's I mean? watching this does. It doesn't matter. Exactly, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much, right? Because it's just based on if you're fortunate I'm fortunate because of the type of business that I have um, I'm fortunate to have it in the first place and I'm fortunate that it provides funds that can then be put back into Rangers but if you buy a strip or if you buy a match ticket or a season ticket or whatever you're contributing to Rangers and everybody yeah. it doesn't matter from a pound to whatever it doesn't matter because it, it really does all add up yeah, it does. It certainly does. Uh, right, anyway, so as I say, we'll get back to actual talking about Rangers, mate. I always go off and a wee bit of tangent. So last season, mate, um, I'm not going to, we're not going to do a full breakdown of that, mate. I'm not going to keep you all night. Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, looking back at it. Don't think anybody we wants were, to relive that really, do it? No, no, probably no, not. We were, we were right, I think we were rightfully looking, we were slightly optimistic about going into this, the, the new season. Obviously, we came mm. back off a European final, we'd won the cup. We were thinking, okay, the summer signings at first, at initial glance, were okay. I still mm. think there wasn't enough, enough out the way, um, but the ones that came in, you were like, okay, we'd liked what we'd seen. Then we hit pre-season, there was probably warning signs throughout pre-seasons. So, even at that though, mate, even at the warning signs that we did see, did you think that the season this season would have went anything the way that it did? No, I didn't. Um, but it's one of those things that with hindsight you can see. Um mm. I think that it's uh the 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 team and I, I use that term rather than club, but the team had run its race and the last hurrah of that was the Ville in the Scottish Cup final. Um but again, you can only really tell with time. The club had made 
bad decisions for a few seasons with regards to things like windows and uh, transfers in and out in particular that had then caught up in, in the summer. We had so much to rectify that we didn't maybe realise because you've just reached the European final, you know, so can it be, can it be that wrong? But it was just a, a kind of a, a confluence of things where you had, you know, players coming out of contract, key players coming out of contract. We'd had this 65 game season. Um, the medical team had changed and, and wasn't up to it. Uh, as we've now seen, you know, Mark Waller's return because the manager yeah. and the club feel that way as well. Um, also, I think that there's a tendency after an epic season like that, and it was, you know, as I say, 65 games and European run, that you don't really take into account how much it takes out of, of the squad emotionally. I think that that final in particular had taken a lot out of them emotionally. So when it went wrong, it went very wrong very quickly. Um, and I think then that that right from the Michael Beale appointment, and it was, you know, let's get him in. He's the guy that they wanted. Let's hope that he can kind of turn the season around if we win things as well, that even better. But I think there was an understanding that when Beale came in, that he was working with what he had until um, until the summer, and then there would need to be massive surgery. And the fact that we've seen that surgery on and off the park, it hasn't just been on the park. Rangers had become stale um, mm -hmm. on and off the park. Rangers had become stale. You can get when you've been somewhere for a long time, you can get very, well, this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're kind of... Your, your mind doesn't open to saying, well, maybe we should do it like this. And I think that's what had happened at Rangers. And we had the same faces that had been playing, a lot of stalwart players in there, don't get me wrong. I, I, I just think the whole thing had gone, had gone a little bit stale. I think that you had players who felt, well, I've kind of done everything here now that I wanted to do. Um, and last season... It, it was a slog. It felt like a slog. It, it looked like a slog for the players. It was certainly a slog for the fans. Um, it just wasn't particularly enjoyable because there wasn't that sense, I think, of purpose. Uh, and again, a lot of this is, it, it, it's very difficult to sit and see all of this stuff at the time because you don't know, you don't have the evidence in front of you. I think there's this thing in, um, we, we football fans in particular, that we like to say something and then stick to it. Whereas I'm a, a great believer in the evidence is going to change, you know, because we've got 20 matches ahead of us. And quite understandably, after 20 matches, I'll be in a much better position to tell you than I am right now. Um, so people will, will kind of say to you, well, you know, but why didn't we see this last year? Because we couldn't. We couldn't know. We're fans. You know, we're just we're sitting on the outside looking in. You don't know. Things like relationships between players. You don't know players' motivation. You don't know what's in their mind, are they? thinking, right, I'm going to give this 100% or because they're going to tell you that, you know, in the interviews yeah. that you, you see, they're going to, of course they're going to say, or are they actually talking to their agent about their next move, all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a very disappointing campaign. Um, I actually think it was quite a strange campaign because Rangers ended up with a points tally that under normal circumstances is massive, absolutely yeah. massive. Now, a part of that is that the league isn't, uh, particularly strong out with us in that lot, but I still think that Beal deserves a bit of 
praise because it's all right. One of the things I heard a lot of people say when we we couldn't beat Celtic was, oh, it's all right beating the, the rest of those teams, you know, but we should be. And I'm like, well, yeah, we should be, but we weren't. That that was the problem. The whole of Geo's mm. reign, our away form was 50%. That's 50% points away from home under Geo. Um, so you're right. We should be beating these teams, but we weren't. And Bill corrected that. Where he hit the, the buffers was that the team he had wasn't good enough to beat the team they had, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think there was the realisation that, you know, we're not one or two players away here. Um, yes, I think both teams are quite evenly matched, but in the key areas up front, they were much better than us, unfortunately. They had four or five players that would start for us, is the honest yeah. answer. And that was the difference. In tight matches last season, they won by one goal several times because we didn't have the firepower that they did. Now, we had the firepower to beat these other sides, not as convincingly as I think we should have done. Um, I think there was a lot of games that were tight that shouldn't have been. And again, that drains you. If there are games that you're winning 3-2 right, or 2-1 that are live right up into the final whistle, the that takes more out of a side than if we go 3-0 up inside an hour. And you can just play the lot and the players can almost conserve energy. And that helps. It helped them last season and we didn't do it enough, um, which is why I think he's targeting so many front players this year. Because I think the feeling, understandably, is defensively we need to improve. Um, I think a goalkeeper is a big part of that. I think a goalkeeper will... I think you saw it with Robbie McCrory, in fact, even when he came in last year. Um, mm -hmm. But... I think we're fine box to box, you know. Um, I think we're as good as anyone there up front. That's where we've been. Yeah. And that's where last season we had this patchwork of a forward line. Didn't work. And I'm glad to see that we're rectifying it. Yeah, I think even this, the staleness within the team that you mentioned before, but I think that also stems from the 55 season as well because you still have players around and so much emphasis was put on winning that and rightly so. I mean, but it was it was imperative for us to get there. It was we had to do it when we did it, and then obviously it ran through. And then we ha had an incredible European run, a European run that I will literally never forget. Gave me some of the best nights of my entire life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget it. And but after it, I suppose it is natural that there's going to be some form of emotional damage to that because it was we a come so down. close, but so That's far away. Yeah, last and year was that, that, last that, year was a come down. That didn't help Geo going into this season. Even though no. I do think Geo, to me, just kind of lost his way. I, I do. I, I don't know if it was. I just didn't have the belief in him, and I really wanted to. He's a lovely guy, literally a lovely lad, but I, I wanted to have the belief in him, and I didn't. I really didn't, and I think that mm. was all oh, that stemmed together to something that was probably never going to be a success. No, and I, look, I think that, you know, and it's amazing when you think about it that, that Gio was a couple of kicks of the ball away from arguably our greatest ever achievement, and he would have been immortal. Um, but people have different skills and I think that, that Gio's skill was amply demonstrated in that European run. He's he was brilliant at setting us up um, tactically and, and changing within a game where he, I don't think his style of football suits is a team who play pack defences domestically yeah. all the time and pack defences that are running about 110 miles an hour every week. Um, so it's just a, you know, it's a skill set thing rather than 
a lack of talent. It's just that he's stronger in areas that maybe we need to be stronger in certain other ones. Um, so no, I, I look. I could see why he was appointed at the time. It made it made a uh, you know a lot of sense after the the shock really of le- of losing Gerard mid season. Um, and as you say, you can, you can't in any way say it was a disaster because we won uh, the our trophy under him and we uh, had that amazing, unforgettable live with us forever European run. But I, I think that that we did need to make the change uh, when we did, and you know now. I think that if you want to make a defence of you, I don't think he was backed particularly well um, yeah, in the transfer yeah. windows he was here. No, I don't. Um, I think that the one he had in January was a, was a disaster, an unmitigated disaster, really. I think, we, and I think I never got the impression that the players that Gio got were the ones he wanted. Now he's more used to that that idea that the club buys the players and the manager just gets on with it, but it didn't work. And there were, it was quite clear that there were players that were brought in that he just didn't fancy. I think um, yeah. Diallo being a really good because Diallo's a good player. He, he, I, he's proved it again, you know, last season yeah. at Sunderland. Diallo's a good player, but Gio just didn't pick him. Um, so yeah, I think that um, no matter how the season goes next year, and it could be a disaster. Let's be honest. It could be brilliant. It could be average. It could. We don't know, right? As we're sitting here just now. But regardless, Beale's been able to do what he wants to do this summer. So it's kind of like, on the one hand for him, that means no excuses, right? But on the other mm-hmm. hand, he's got a freedom to, to bring in guys that he wants, that he wants to deal with. It is going to be his squad next year. Um, and that is maybe something that Gio didn't get to do. Yeah, that probably just nicely on to make the, the recruitment that we have seen this summer. Obviously, we could go into all sorts of depth. Maybe we'd be here for hours if we discussed the, the board reshuffling, all the changes that we've seen within the club, the, the changes that I, I feel were right to happen. Um, they were overdue to happen. And I, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction now. Um, so in terms of the, the new signings, and quickly first, was were you happy enough with Bill when Bill was the rumored man, um, and it mm. looked like he was the target for Rangers? Were you like, yeah, I'm, I'm more than up for that? Because, uh, even within our pod, mate, there was there was mixed feelings about Bill being appointed. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I think given, uh, you know, his lack of experience as a manager, I, I, I tend to kind of be more on, uh, talent. Does he have the ability to be the manager? Um, is he, you know, is he good? And and it just, you know, speaking to people, um, speaking to people who'd worked with him at the club, and the feedback you were getting was, no, he's he's really good, you know, he's really brilliant, and full of respect for him, and he's tougher than people think. I think um, there's this perception, I think, that the manager is a disciplinarian, and the coaching staff are the players' mates. Um, and certainly Gerard was, you know, there was a distance between, and not a bad way, by the way, you need it, Walter had it as well, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't the player's mate, I don't mean he was unapproachable that the players couldn't go, but there yeah. was, he is the gaffer, right, there yes. was that, but they were like that as well with Beal, whereas it was McAllister and Milsom uh, and Culshaw that were the guys that would be the, you know, laughing, joking, arm in the shoulder, yeah, yeah. so I think there's that, Um I think he's done enough in the time he's been here to show 
promise. It's no more than that at this point because it means nothing until you're delivering big silver things into our arms. And we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some tough times. He really did. He made some mistakes as well. It wasn't all just um, bad luck. Uh, the the League Cup final, his selection was wrong. He got the, yeah. the team and the tactics wrong that day. But I think the fact that you immediately saw a change there was he learned. He thought, right, okay, I've made errors there. Um, and he immediately, you know, sort of learned. So uh, I, I get where people are coming from or came from, because I, I do think the vast majority of fans are are happy with him now. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, he, he, could, he, he could manage his interviews a bit... Um, <laughs> A little bit differently for me, but it, you know, instead, I, instead of going, look, I'm holding two aces. By the way, just in case you wanted to see them, <laughs> it's just enthusiastic. You, know, you know what it is? He loves football. He loves his he job. Does. He's and yeah. that's something to remember about Michael. B. This is his dream job. You know, he wants to be the Rangers manager. He loves where he lives. His kids love where he lives. He loves the club. He. This is it for you know. This is the one that you know he was striving for really at QPR as we saw he turned and doing that that invitation from Wolves and then you know really you know running up the road when the opportunity arose yeah so um I think that's all it is with these interviews I, I for me it's I come from the the kind of church of Walter um yeah. which is just go and watch videos of how Walter did it and that's how everything yeah. should, Rangers should be done so yeah, I admit that, yeah. but then younger fans that I know this is our generation younger fans that I know love it and this is maybe just me having to get used to you know things are different to when I was a kid which is fair enough but um, I think that most fans do back them the one thing I felt at the time same you know with Gio is that there's a and you also see it a little bit with transfers. There is a reluctance from some fans to accept the reality of where we are. Um, and I think that because of that, there's maybe uh, sometimes people think that we might be operating in different markets to the one that we're operating in. Yes. Uh, we are held back hugely by our league. It's that simple. People know Rangers are a massive club. They really do. Um, and they look at it and they go, wow, 50,000. And then they look a bit deeper and they go, I don't want to play Motherwell four times a year. I don't want, you know, I, I don't want to play Aberdeen six times a year. Uh, and that hurts us a lot. It really, yeah. really does. It hurts or, us a lot. Or, or play in a league that splits at the end of it for no good reason. For no, really no apparent reason. No, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and listen, we get fed up. We're, the, yeah, see exactly. by about April, and it, oh, for fucking hibs again. <laughs> you know, know. It, we're like that. Even yeah. Kilmarnock, how many, how many fucking Kilmarnock matches have I had to watch in my lifetime? <laughs> I More than any human being should be forced to. Um, I so I get that, and but we, we kind of forget it when it comes to like Tillman's a case in point you know Tillman mm. loved the club really really liked the manager got on great with him uh, really liked the fans felt valued didn't want to play in Scotland anymore that simple and it is difficult for us when we are up the road from a league that is non-stop glamour 24-7 
Yeah, yeah, that's the hardest part, mate. It is. I've, I've, it's always the problem, as I said. You, you, it, when transfer season comes round as well, you'll see the rumours on Twitter. You'll see some people pass opinions of, oh, we should be looking into this guy or that guy, whoever. And I'm like, yeah, he's not going to come here and play football. It just isn't going to happen. And I would love to think that it would happen. Again, mate, we're going to harken back to times when we were growing up and we seen some of the players coming to play for our team. Obviously, there's circumstances and all that behind that, but some of the players that we've seen play for the club and it, you, you just have to move for the times because of what English foot, the English the English league has become. It's just become this... Mm. That's it. It's like it's a telling... separate entity on its own. It's just... Mate, it's, it's when you've got football. clubs like Brighton and they've brilliantly run, right? But when you've got clubs like Brighton and Bournemouth with 11,000 fans, that's what the stadium holds, 11,000 fans, mm-hmm. that can easily go out in the summer and spend 40, 50 million pounds and and accompanying wages. Um, and I think that sometimes that that we do forget that that you know the ball is kind of on the slates for us a wee bit when it comes to to that. We just cannot match these finances. And I think a case in point, one of the reasons why I'm actually quite excited about Jack Butland coming in is that he was getting offers to be the third choice, never play. Right, you know, never uh, no. be on the bench only if the subkeeper is injured or needs to get used. Right, the Andy, um, the Andy Firth of Rangers, basically. Yeah, what he was, he was getting offered. he yeah. was getting offered sixty grand a week to do that. Three million pounds. <laughs> now nobody in Scotland earns sixty thousand pounds a week. Nobody at no. Rangers, nobody at Rangers Celtic earns within you know uh, the most highest paid player. I think Scotland will be touching forty. Right. Mm-hmm. It, what are you meant to do? <laughs> you know, I know. If, well, the I fact know. is, if if team, and the other thing is, people say, well, why would you want to come to Rangers rather than to Bournemouth? Right, and I get that, you know, fifty thousand all this history. But if you were growing up in Africa or a European country, um, Rangers don't really mean anything to you other than a vague name, you know. And the other thing as well that I hear people say is, well, it's a chance to come here and win medals. Well, see if. See if a club in England were coming in for me or a team in Cyprus and the team in Cyprus said, but you could win the league. I didn't grow up dreaming of winning the Cypriot League. It's not <laughs> something that's going to be... Yeah. It's massive to us, but I think we forget that it might not be massive to other people. That doesn't mean that you can't be ambitious and that you shouldn't, but I, I just think that uh, for a lot of us my age, we grew up in the night when we could compete up until about 95 with anybody. It is tough to take, but Sky money has ruined the dynamic and put it's unfair um, because it is now shit. I think that's why a lot of people like us and maybe watching this and they, and or in Europe, by the way, just any and, and even in England that aren't Premier League fans um, are pissing ourselves at this Saudi Arabia thing because it's you know, oh, get it right up. Yeah, you know, now you know how the rest of us feel. Uh, somebody yeah. comes along and spends on And I'm loving hearing all their kind of pundits going, why would he go to Saudi Arabia? Same reason that he went to Bournemouth in the first fucking place, mate, because they offered him tons and tons of money. And exactly. That, yeah. uh, so I, I'm really enjoying that. But yeah. unfortunately, the English League have done that to, to the rest of Europe in particular. This Saudi thing's crazy, though, and This is just... Oh, I mean, wild. 
is wild. No, it's, anyway, that's, that's again, that's probably a separate a separate podcast in itself. Um, but aye, that's it's bonkers. But it's a good way of looking at it. England are probably looking at it going, hang on, you're you're stealing all my toys. Well, oh, they you're are. still everybody. No, this is this is unfair. Why does why do people want to go and play in Saudi Arabia? And then I'm like, and I keep picking on them. But you know, do you think people really wanted to go and play for Burnley? You know, French internationals and stuff. They they don't. They go there because it's a a shit ton of money. Um, And you know, can you blame if you're player A and they say you come to this club and earn two million a year, right? With a phenomenal wage, right? And don't get me wrong. but two million a year taxed, or go to Saudi Arabia for two years, earn ten million a year untaxed. You go and you do your two year, and you you yeah. treat it like you or I would if we had a job abroad, where you're just xing the days on the calendar until you get back. Yeah, you back. go and do it, yeah, and you set back. up forever. Hundred percent. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, anyway, we'll get back to Rangers, mate. Quickly before I uh, before I let you get out of here, I want to talk about the signings that have came in so far and your thoughts on them all so far. I think the recruitment is exciting. Um, I yes, do. I think that the players that we're attracting are a different calibre of what we've been used to previously. Um, I'm glad that Bill seems to be getting the towards his first choices, if not his first choice that he wants for that particular position. And it looks mm. even more so as with Dessers now. That looks like that's pretty much going to happen as well. Um, a wee plug for you. I heard that on your daily update today, mate, when I was hey. on, my home, on my way home from work today. But yeah, I it is an exciting time. Um, I think people are getting a wee bit disappointed. Even like this, again, it harps back to where we play football. People are like, Seema's only alone. I'm like, well, aye, he is. Of course he's only alone. Like, it's not, we're not always going to be able to sign every single player that we're going to be linked with. But um, anyway, out of the people that we we have recruited so far, mate, and as I say, Dessers, you could probably include into that because it does look like a sure thing now. Um, who, you look, who are you most looking forward to seeing? Uh, top and bottom. The nut Dessers, number nine, Butland, the goalkeeper. Two areas that we were poorly served in last season. Um, I feel. And I know that people might say, well, Cholak had that great start, which he did, but mm-hmm. it, it sort of dried up and then he, he had his, his issues with injury. Morelos was no a, you know, a ghost of yeah. the guy that we'd seen a few seasons before. So having, you know, a, a top um number nine that can contribute, get involved in the gameplay, because I do think that's the area. I, when it comes to finishing, if you had to pick somebody put a chance away to save your life, you pick Cholak. But mm. I think the way that modern football is and the way that Michael B wants to play, you need to have that that combination. And let's face it, we're all excited to be a striker, aren't we? That's the reason we watch football, you know, put the ball in yeah. the back of the net. So exactly. very excited about him. And Jack Butland, because without wanting to dwell on Alan McGregor, who is uh, deservedly a Hall of Fame, a Rangers legend. Um, and for me, I've said that before, I think Gorham was the best I've ever seen because 92-93, I legitimately think Gorham was the best goalie in the world. And I don't think you could say McGregor was ever the best goalie in the world. But for longevity and achievement, Alan McGregor, I think, is the greatest Rangers goalkeeper, if that makes sense. Um but last year, I think it was already a season too far. Last year yeah. was very much. And a big part of it is, is he wouldn't come off his line. Now, that meant that we were getting into situations that you don't get into if you've got a goalkeeper who does, right? That a lot of chances or mistakes that were coming, they were coming off the back of situations that shouldn't have developed in the first place, right? Because there, there's so many, if a goalie just came out and took it, but what happened to us is McGregor won't come out. So a defender gets in and he nods it away. <laughs> 
right? Well, straight away you've got, well, he could misplace a header. That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. It can be picked up by a forward running in. That happened. And you've got extra defending to do that you wouldn't have had. And I think when, when Robbie McCrory came into the side, we all noticed that, didn't we? That well, mm-hmm. And I remember thinking after a couple of games, he's not had a lot to do. And then I realised why he hadn't had a lot to do. Yeah. Um, and then when we played Hearts, we saw the, the, at the end of the season, the throw into the box, chaos. Uh, and I thought, mm. so Butland, I think, will make an enormous difference. But Dessels is one that, you know, you, you've got to be... I am quite excited about Seema because he's a very good player. And mm-hmm. I think he could absolutely do... You know, he could be special for us. Uh, I'm not too unduly worried about a loan because Tillman was a loan to buy. He didn't stay. Ryan Kent was just a loan. He stayed here five years. So what does it mean? Positive comes. Yeah. Well, see if Seema comes and he scores 15 goals and we win the league and he leaves the day after the season's finished he's been a great signing I couldn't agree more that's the way I look at it as well if, he, if he's wanting here as well to try and prove a point in order to his, his parent club to see that he's got enough to cut it where he is then he can prove himself up here as long as we win the league and scores goals and you, you can't get a, a right now in football I don't think there's a better recommendation than the fact that Brighton wanted to sign you I really don't I think yeah. right now in terms of talent spotting they are you know, reinventing the wheel. So the fact that they even looked at him and went player, and the fact that mm-hmm. they didn't, even the fact that they said, no, we're just going to hold on to him just now, um, gets me excited. Doesn't mean he'll be a success. Of course it doesn't. But, you know, again, I go back to that thing I said earlier. Do they have ability? Right? Yeah. Then, then that's what it's up to the manager. The manager needs to unlock it. The manager needs to work at a system for him. The manager needs to motivate him and get, you know, is he an arm room guy? Does he need a kick out the butt? Whatever. But you can do all that. That's your job. What you can't do, I think, is, you know, inject talent into somebody who doesn't have it. Uh, yeah. So Seema, yeah, excited by him. Yeah, uh, Seema's probably one for me that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, uh, and we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the window goes, uh, as I say. But obviously, we've still got, I would imagine, we're trying to get people to, to leave or trying to find suitable Definitely, players. Yeah. We're definitely looking for to offload some players so it's still an interesting window ahead that's for sure but it's not far away now until the football starts so what's your thoughts going into next season um, league is right. obviously a priority I, I don't. I know that it's uh, that goes without saying but do you mm. expect any a radical change in the, maybe the way that we've seen formations over the last few years I think Bill's got a lot of ideas up his sleeve um, not a radical change I think more often than not you'll see us play the kind of 4-2-3-1 that we've done mm. I think there might be other games where it's a more attacking midfield. Um, I think that he does, though, have the opportunity. If you look at the type of players he's buying, uh, I think he does have the opportunity to play a three at the back, which means getting the two up front as well. Yeah. So I think we will let's see a bit of tactical flexibility. Um, there were games last season we saw where he, he dropped Lundstrom in. And you know mm. we went with a three because he, he felt it gave us a wee bit more presence up front. So I do think we'll see that. Uh, I just I just think that I want to see... Um, last year, I kind of felt that the Michael Beale team we saw was not his team yet with plasters on, if that makes sense. I think you saw with the signings of Campwell and Raskin what he was wanting for, from his players. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, these guys arriving, you're hoping will continue that. I'm an optimist. Every summer, I think we're going to win everything. You know, league... Treble, Eurovision contest, I, you know, you, you name it, um, the yeah. Ashes. Uh, every summer, I think that, and I'll stick to it up until it becomes clear that that we won't. Uh, so no, I, 
and look at my Rangers fan. I expect to win the league. I don't care what you know it's been like for the last ten. I expect to win the league. That'll never change. So that is the target. I think it'll be close. I do. I think that it'll be you know uh, whoever wins it, us or them, it will be close. I don't think anyone's going to yeah. run away with it or steamroll with it. Because um, uh, I, I suspect both sides of the old firm will beat the opposition a lot and it might come down to those four matches. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, uh, it's still uh, it's an exciting time. It is an exciting time for the next season uh, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. David, that's been a, a very quick hour, mate, and I, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the pod to have a chat, mate. We went off in different directions, mate, but that's just how just how I like it. So, uh, honestly, mate, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on, mate. I do. No problem. Thank you for asking me and uh, hello to, to, to all the viewers and uh, thank you for staying to this length of a show that I'm on. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure they will, mate. I'm sure they will. And yeah, if you don't, I know you know where Heart and Hand is, everybody. But if you don't, it's Heart and Hand everywhere. They've got a Patreon. Obviously, go sign up for it. I am a patron myself. I pay for Heart Thank and Hand. You. So there you go. No problem, mate. I have done. As I say, it's been over ten years, mate. I've been listening to your dulcet tones, so I'm not going to stop doing it now, mate. <laughs> it's just about nine years longer. It's been nine years. I've been married for ten years, so it's been about nine years longer than my wife has. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got wings in the house, haven't you? I think you believe on one wing, she's on the other. Yeah, well, yeah, um, we have. <laughs> yeah, we, we, the, yeah. I think a great describe it. We have two living rooms, and yeah. she she has one, and I have one, uh, yeah. and it, it just it just works better because how many times when you know you're younger. Um, do you have to kind of trade the telly? Yes. Um, we we yes. don't do that. She watches shite I don't like. I watch sport she doesn't like. I'll give you an example of how into sport my wife is. Uh, the other day, uh, I'm going to to see the, the next test match down south, cricket fan with a couple of the heart and hand guys, and I bought um, a cricket jumper, you know. So I showed her it and she said, oh, that, that's nice. And I joked that, that Martin, one of my podders uh, that, that I'm going with, I said, oh, Martin was going to buy it as well uh, just for playing cricket on his on his, uh, on his his Xbox. Just as a joke. And so I went, oh, it's a good job he didn't buy that then because otherwise he'd have been wearing the same jumper. And I was like, <laughs> I was like have you ever been to a football match? She went, no. I said, it would blow your mind then the amount of people it that would, turn up uh, in the same the same top. But that she once bought me a for, for her uh, wedding anniversary. She said she got me a, a a framed signed jersey and she presented it to me and she went, I got you a signed Loudrop because I know he's your favourite. And I went, Oh my god, I opened it up, it was Michael. Oh, you're it joking. Real, it was a Real Madrid strip. <laughs> Me. I'd have been gutted. I would have been gutted. Uh, yeah, you know, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. I, I, I admire the intention. I <laughs> yes, mean, it was a nice course. gesture, right? She thought, yeah. who's his favourite footballer? I've heard them say Loudrop. And she, I went, I, I remember saying to her, see, did you not think Real Madrid was a bit odd? She went, I didn't know who he'd played for a part for Rangers. So, uh, so I mean, it's, it's cool. I've got a Michael Loudrop signed and framed. Jersey. Uh, so if any Real Madrid fans are watching and want to buy it, Jesus <laughs> now. I'm sure some do it. I'm sure some do it. But no, I appreciate it, mate. Um, thank you, to everybody, for tuning in tonight. Um, if you could give us a wee like and subscribe, that would be magic as well. We will be back on Friday with a club live pod as usual. So until then, thank you again to David for coming on. Uh, we are Club at 22, the Rangers podcast. Cheers, everybody.
Social Podcast Network.